Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. We're so glad that you've joined us today. It is our desire at Faith to help you connect, grow, and go in your walk with God. We hope you're encouraged by this message from Pastor Steve. I want to invite you to grab your Bible, and I hope that you have that in some method or means. I know that, you know, a lot of folks bring your, your, your Bible, your print copy, but I, I hope you at least have uh, some type of application on a device or something that you can access the Scriptures with us this morning, because uh, you're going to need to follow closely along with us, because I believe we're going to look in the Word today, and we're going to see a, a phenomenon that is, that is common to a lot of us, if not all of us, uh, in this room today, you know, it's so easy along life's way that we lose focus, um, that we lose perspective of what is really going on. Sometimes what's happening can distract us from what's going on because what's going on and what's happening are not always the same things. Um, and, and today I want to take just a few minutes because for the last several weeks we've been talking to you about living a revived life. Uh, this year we've been focusing on going deeper in Christ and I know that along that journey if there's anything that the adversary would like to do it would be to distract you and me from moving deeper in the things of the Lord because can I tell you something today? That, that the enemy is not quite as concerned about what you are today and he is way, way more concerned about what you might become tomorrow as you begin to discover and unlock God's potential for your life. And, and there, are, there are manifold distractions all around us that are aimed at keeping us from moving forward, keeping us from progressing deeper in the things of the Lord. And let's just face it, I know I, know I can. How many of you are familiar with the movie Up? Yeah. Uh, and you know, you know Doug? I got a bad case of Doug. Okay? I'm just, I can get easily sidetracked, distracted, and, uh, you know, I'm just, hey, what? Um, you know, so I want to just call us here this morning back to a remembrance of where the Lord is leading us and where we're moving to and what God is trying to cultivate and do, not only in our lives corporately as a church, but in your life as an individual, and just call that back to your remembrance. Listen, here, here's the thing that you need to understand about the walk of faith. Uh, I think maybe, I think maybe the, the, the hymn writer... Uh, wrote it best back in the day when he wrote the old church standard, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound. Through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. I think somewhere in our minds we set up the false expectations that once we come to Jesus, uh, there's going to be no more of that stuff. It's just going to be smooth sailing from there on. Let me, let me tell you something, when, when you're not butting heads with your adversary, it generally tends to mean that you're heading in the same direction, okay? So, you know, there's going to be strife, there's going to be some conflict, there's going to be some, some trouble, some challenges that are going to come in our lives, 
And uh, we need to be prepared for that because the walk of faith is not a walk that is void of hardships. It's not a, it's not a place where no dangerous toils or snares attend because they do. They're going to come. And we need not be distracted by those things when they do. Listen, the, the hardest part of this life is, is living earthly lives while keeping a focus on a heavenly purpose. Living an earthly life, but keeping an eye, keeping a, a focus on a heavenly purpose. We live in houses of flesh, and they, they are racked with all kinds of frailties and all kinds of uh, shortcomings and misgivings, and we have all these carnal tendencies, and the world calls to us with all its allure and with all of its charm, and it just invites us in, and, and the world calls out to you and I to look out for number one and to get all you can, but the Spirit of God speaks to us on the other hand, and it calls us to daily dying and self-sacrificial living where we posture ourselves on the altar before God and we declare as Paul did I am crucified with Christ nevertheless I live yet not I but Christ lives in me this life I now live in the body in the flesh I live in Christ Jesus it's not me anymore but it's him moving and living in me listen we are not human beings having spiritual experiences I want you to think about that for just a minute because we, are, we, we deal in the economy of the flesh. We deal in the economy of, of this natural life so much that sometimes we just think it's like, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set apart some time from my regular routines and I'm going to go to church and I'm going to focus on the spiritual side of things. Listen, you're not a human being having a spiritual experience. You are a spiritual being having a human experience right now because the human part of you is temporary. It's for a few moments and then it's gone. But there's a soul inside of you, there's a spirit in you that is eternal, that is fashioned in the likeness and the nature of an eternal God. And we need not lose perspective, and keeping perspective of that can be so very difficult. So today I want to invite you to turn with me to Psalm uh, 73. Uh, I have my Bible open to the wrong spot. <laughs> so uh, Psalm 73, and we're going to jump in here with a man who was having a little bit of difficulty in this area as well, keeping perspective as he should on the whole of life. And we read these words beginning in verse 1, and this is from the psalmist Asaph, and he says, Truly God is good to Israel, to such as are pure in heart. Truly God is good. Goodness is at the very character of God. As a matter of fact, goodness is proclaimed by the prophets. We read in Nahum chapter 1 and verse 7, the Lord is good. He's a stronghold in the day of trouble. And those who trust, and he knows those who trust in him. It's, it's understood among us today. I believe if I were to call out right now, I would get the appropriate answers, right? You know, we used to do this cheesy kind of little thing in church. You know, sometimes we'd say, God is good. See, look at you. And all the time, right? I mean, it's just, it's, a, it's an understood principle among us of the goodness of God, that, that God is good to us. 
that it's at the very core of his nature, that it's, it's just who he is, and good is especially promised to those who are pure of heart. Our trouble is sometimes what our assessment of good is. Because so oftentimes we, we experience this, that we go to God in prayer, we've already figured out what good is. We're not seeking God. We're not looking to God. We're not laying things on the altar before God. We're just coming to God with our terms and conditions and saying, God, you see what's going on in my life. And Lord, if you would please. And then we prescribe to God what goodness is. But sometimes God, well, all the time, God knows better than we do. And then we're often disappointed and we feel like we've not seen the goodness of God just because we haven't seen what our descriptor of goodness is. But sometimes God is keeping us from things and he's leading us in paths that we didn't expect because he knows the beginning from the end and he's able to chart the course that's going to lead us to the desired end. But just because we haven't seen the desired end that we thought of in our own hearts and mind, we begin to question the goodness of God. And that's kind of a little bit where Asaph, we're going to find him here in just a few moments. And I believe it's some place that we're going to resonate with a little bit in our own lives. Goodness, the goodness of God. It's, it's a blessing for obedience. It's a reward for righteousness. But you ever, let me ask you this. Have you ever been in a place in your life where you understood the principle of God's goodness and it was easy enough for you to survey God's goodness in everybody else's life, but somehow or another you were able to exclude yourself? Like, you know, I, oh, Lord, it's just you're doing this for this person and you're blessing them, and you're, but woe is me. I don't understand, God, why you're not, your goodness isn't raining down in my life. And, and Asaph is here in this moment, and he says in verse 2, but as for me, listen, there's the exclusion. Surely God is good to Israel, to those that, that love the Lord. He knows them that, that love him and, and all this, but, but as for me, I'm different. I'm excluded. I'm the exception. As for me, my feet had almost stumbled, and my steps had nearly slipped. Somehow or another, the psalmist here finds himself now somehow on the outside of God's blessing and goodness, or at least his perception is such. He says, my feet had almost stumbled, my steps had nearly slipped. It's a, it's a common occurrence. It's a common occurrence for you and I to be walking in the revelation of the goodness of God, but somehow or another be abiding in defeat and discouragement as the adversary comes in and he, he dangles all these things in front of us and he, he, he pulls up the mirror of comparison and he begins to show you how good everybody else has got it and how bad you've got it and you know if, if things would just if this would just do this and that and you know begins to help you define what goodness is and then when God's moving contrary we somehow or another feel slighted you know God's good to everybody else but as for me And it begins to cause us to question our faith. It begins to cause us to, to, to slip in our, in our traction of faith as we're trying to move forward. Our, our steps, uh, our feet almost stumble. Our steps had nearly slipped. And it's a common occurrence, I believe. I, I hear this testimony often. As a matter of fact, I, I grapple in this myself. And the reason for this is because, as we've already highlighted, 
because of a skewed view of life. If, if, if we're not careful, the enemy will come into our lives and he will offer us such a skewed view of, of reality and of the goodness of God and of people's perception around you, their acceptance of you and all these things that it just, it will like shake us at the very core of who we are and get us all tore out of the frame. And we'll be in the place of Asaph saying, you know what, my feet had almost stumbled my steps. Why, why, why am I doing this? Why am I here today? Why am I, why am I under, you know, why am I putting myself through that? It's just, it doesn't work for me like it does for everybody else. <laughs> you ever, you ever? No? Okay, good, okay. We're good, okay. You and me are going to talk, okay. Y'all can listen. He says, Asaph says this, he says, the reason that it was this way is because I was envious of the boastful. When I saw the prosperity of the wicked, you know, I, I was envious of the, bo- of, of the boastful, also translated foolish, proud. He said, I became foolish, I became proud when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. And from principle, what we can learn is that these were people who did not concern themselves with the things of God nor did they credit him for any of the blessings that they enjoyed. But it's the fool, the scripture tells us that it's the fool who says in his heart, there is no God. The the proud credits themselves with all of life's accomplishment. The boaster glorifies in the flesh. And, And where was Asaph's focus? It was not on the aforementioned promises and the character of God. It's not on who God is and what God wants to do anymore. It's on how the wicked are being blessed and how they're obtaining the prosperity of this life. And I want to tell you something today, church. I believe there are a lot of Christians who are looking from under the tabernacle door out at this world with a comparison to see if we've got it as good as the world does. And I believe based on our values and how we perceive things, we can often come up that, you know, maybe, maybe, just maybe, the life of faith isn't paying off for us. Maybe the disciplines of seeking God and being in the Scripture and, and all these things just aren't what we really need. And, and, and the, the logic and the reasoning that Asaph is about to use here has been used for many, used by many for the justification of their decisions. Many also have broken fellowship due to the following uh, being their focus. And Asaph's focus was on that the godless had prosperity without sacrifice. The godless had prosperity without sacrifice. Do you remember how we started off this this message? I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies living sacrifices, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And and I I said this a few weeks ago, I want to say it again, that that's, that's a beautiful thing and it's a powerful concept, but we really need to grasp that, that that is... That is what should be our reasonable service based on what Christ has already done for us, not as a means to get what we expect God to give to us. Did that resonate? I need to say that again. 
What, what we need to understand about the principle of sacrificing to the Lord is that that is in response to what Jesus has already done for us, not as a means or a method to get out of him what we expect from him. Because when we are living self-sacrificial lives, when we are laying ourselves on the altar, when we're attending church, when we're reading our word, when we're, in, when we're in fellowship and communion with the Lord, we're spending time in prayer, we're sacrificing our lives in servitude to the Lord, and we do so with the expectation that because we've done so, God owes us something. You're on the pathway to disappointment. You're, you're on the pathway to disappointment. When, when your praise, when your, when your dedication to the Lord comes from a place other than Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe, then you are heading for a heartache. Because there's no amount of fasting, there's no amount of praying, there's no amount of reading, there's no amount of serving that is going to cause us to engage in some sort of cosmic arm twisting whereby we get God's arm back behind him and we force his will to conform to ours. But so oftentimes we feel like because we're, we're doing all these things, we're doing this, and then we begin to look around and say, oh, well, God, wait, wait, hold on. Hold on, my, my neighbor just drug in here with a great big boat and he don't even pay his tithe. Right? Oh, Lord, what did you... Did God, you... Whoo. But they, they, they don't have any Sunday school pens. No perfect attendance record for them. And God, you're blessing them in that way. And God, I got. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Right? He said, these are, these people. They live painless lives. They're healthy and strong. Verse 5, they live lives void of problems and plague. Verse 6, but they're proud. They're malicious. Verse 7, they, they lead lives of abundance more than they could ever ask for. Verse 8 and 9, they're mockers. They speak wickedly against people. They speak against the heavens. God, they're blasphemous. They're blasphemous, and, and they've got it good. And I, God, I'm going through this thing and I'm struggling with this stuff and, and they've got it good. Surely, surely I have cleansed my heart in vain. God, godless, godless people are faring as well or better. Perhaps he was suffering for his commitments of faith. I don't know. His neighbors don't pay tithes and he has the latest and greatest of all the new things. They don't go to church and their kids are just as healthy as mine. They don't claim a relationship with Christ and they, they know nothing of the stress in this life that I face. All day long I've been plagued and chastened every morning and, and if, if I had acted that way, yeah, verse 15, verse 15, 
Verse 15, if, it, it, let me know if this resonates with you, but basically what Asaph says in verse 15 is, look at them, look at them, they're doing all this, they're getting away with it. If I had acted that way, if I had acted, and you know what? It's a hard pill to swallow. Verse 16, Asaph says this, when I, when I thought when I thought how to understand this, it was too painful for me. I'm talking to somebody, I'm talking to people of faith this morning that you've been grappling with something, you've been going through some situations, and you've been looking on at your life and just trying to assess, God, how can it be? And the more you think about it, the more it hurts. The more grievous it becomes. But I'm here to tell you today that God has not forsaken you. God has not given up on you. You have not escaped his view. He sees you. He sees what you're going through. And he has supplied for you. But then Asaph reaches a pivotal point in this journey. And this is the point that I want to invite all of you into. It's the point we've been encouraging all of you to for the last several weeks through, throughout the Revive series that is kind of concluded now, but this is just a little uh, appendix here on to the end of it, okay? But Asaph reaches this pivotal point in his journey. Verse 17 begins with the word until. This was my view on life. This was my perspective of how things were going. This is like everything was rotten. Everything was unfair, everything was inequitable, everything was off kilter and askew and wrong until. Until what? Until, until God changed things around for Asaph? No. Un until God turned, I know, I know, until God turned the table on the wicked? No. God, God was not surprised by the seeming prosperity of the wicked. God didn't, God didn't frantically begin to right all the wrong because of Asaph's complaint. I mean, he, he, God wasn't sitting there in heaven and, and Asaph begins to whine and, and moan about life and God just goes, oh, you're right. Let me, let me fix this for you. Let me get it all sorted out for you. No, none of that happened. Asaph said, this was my perspective on life. This was my perspective of situations until I went in the sanctuary. Now that's not, this is a sanctuary. It's a sanctuary because it's a space and a place that is set apart and dedicated to the, to the practice of what we're doing right now. Where you and I come together in the name of Jesus, he fills this place and ministers to us. Right? But, but that's not what's, what, what Asaph is saying here is this, this was my perspective until I got in a place, a posture, a position where I could encounter the presence of God. And in the presence of the Lord, my focus began to change. My, my sights were reset and I was able to understand and make some sense of these things. Listen, uh, one definition of the sanctuary is a holy place or the presence of God, it's, it's not a different world outside of the sanctuary. Your problems aren't going to magically vanish because you walked into this place. That's not the life of faith. It's, it's not just going to instantly be fixed. Troubles will still exist. Heartache will still come. Seeming in, in, inequalities will still abound. 
a trip to the sanctuary, though, sets things in perspective. And we begin to be reminded of things like, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. We begin to be reminded of principles like, I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. But I've learned in whatever state I am, therewith to be content. We, we, we come into the sanctuary and we get, we get the resonance of spirit of the Apostle Paul who, who called off all of the difficulties and adversities of life and said, what, what then shall we say to all these things? If God is for us, then who can be against us, right? Right? That, that's the trip to the sanctuary. And that's what happens because a trip, when we get in the presence of God, everything else begins to be eclipsed by the grandeur of a holy God. Have you ever wondered why pigeons walk so funny? I know that was a sharp right turn, and maybe I lost some of you in the. But have you ever wondered why pigeons walk so funny? Everything in my being wants to demonstrate for you right now how pigeons walk, but I'm not. I'm not because I'll watch myself on playback later and I'll hate myself for it. So I'm just, I'm gonna, I'm gonna save myself, okay? I'm, age and wisdom is prevailing. I, I've done this before, I've been down this road, okay? <laughs> According to an interesting article in the Detroit Free Press, a pigeon walks the way it does so it can see where it's going. Because it can't adjust its focus as it's moving, it is required that his head come to a complete stop between each step. That's why his little head is just kind of, you know, stop and start, back and forth, in and out. I couldn't help it. Couldn't help it. And, and it's because between each step, there's a reset of his focus. So he can see what's next, clearly. Now, I, I have two questions. Number one, I don't know what this means for the bird while it's in flight. Because he's continually moving and he can't do that. Number two, I don't know who interviewed these birds to find this out. But... <laughs> It's science, and we don't question science, right? It's... But nonetheless, they say when the birds are moving, when they're, when they're walking, that they're shifting, their, they're shifting their heads. It has to come to a full stop between each step in order for them to refocus and take that next step. And, and in our spiritual walk with the Lord, we sometimes have to do the same as the pigeon. I mean, we, we, can, we can just, we can feel like God has given us a vision and we're ready to charge hell with a water pistol and, and we're just going, 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 going and the adversary is constantly throwing roadblocks and distractions in the way and we get all out of sync and all out of focus and sometimes we just need to stop. 
Just a, just a hard stop and get in the sanctuary and get in the presence of God and begin to compare not our situation to the situation of everybody else around us, but we need to hold it up to the light of His glory and grace and find out that the, that the light and momentary afflictions of this life are nothing, not even worthy to be compared to the glory that's going to be revealed in us at the appearance of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We need, to, we need to stop. We need to pray. We need to meditate. We need to wait before the Lord. Our, our walk with the Lord needs to be built on a pattern of stops that enable us to see more clearly before moving on. Asaph has stopped. He's refocused, and now he sees more clearly. And what he sees is this. Look, it's, it's not me who's slipping. My feet are on the rock. It's them who are slipping. Because their lives are built on shifting sand. Their lives are, my life is built on the eternal. Their lives are built on the temporal. The pleasures of sin are but for a season. Their end is destruction. They, they have no peace. God will have no pleasure in them. We read that verse 19 and 20. Oh, how they are brought to desolation as in a moment. They are utterly consumed with terrors as a dream. When one awakes, so the Lord, so Lord, when you awake, you shall despise their image. He's grieved. He's vexed in his mind. Verse 21, he, he's, he's suffering some temporary insanity he's repenting of that he's saying lord i was so foolish and ignorant and i was like a beast before you i, I just i lost my spiritual senses of what you were doing in my life and then he he says this great word i love this word this is this is maybe my favorite word single word in all of scripture and it's found in the beginning of verse 23 when he says, nevertheless. It's used 118 times in the New King James Version, 197 times in the King James Version. And, and I'm going to date myself here for just a second. And if you're in this room over a certain age, you, you'll know exactly what I'm saying. There was an old TV show from the 80s, and it, it came on with their little theme song. And it says, you take the good, you take the bad. You take them both, and there you have facts of life. Take the good, you take the bad, you take them both, and there you have the facts of life. Well, that's true in the natural sense. That's true in the natural sense. But that's not true in the spirit. Because in the spirit and in the economy of the kingdom, the, the facts of life are you take the good, you take the bad, but there is a truth that transcends all the good and all the bad and that there will one day be a reconciling of accounts and God will set the record right, his ledger will be balanced and his goodness and glory will be revealed in your life. And Asaph describes that the, the riches of this world fade in comparison with the blessing of God. The, the wise counsel, he says this in verse 25, Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is none upon the earth that my heart desires but you. 
my flesh and my heart fail but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever it doesn't matter if I bless I miss a blessing from this world I have far better riches in heaven I'm not gonna face the end of the wicked verse 27 for indeed those who are far off from you shall perish you have destroyed all those who are who, who desert you for harlotry but it is good for me to draw near to God I have put my trust in the Lord God that I may declare all your works I want you to stand with me all over this sanctuary today all over this room all of you that are watching online right now I just want to invite you to stretch a hand towards heaven the things that have been weighing on your heart the trouble the adversity that you've been trying to figure out right now I just want you to invite the presence of the Holy Spirit just to flood and to feel your heart your mind your thoughts that there would be a shift in your perspective that you would no longer stand with a mountain between you and God that is eclipsing your vision of him but you would get around that you would get in the presence of God and you would gain a perspective that shows you that he is so much bigger than the thing that you're facing that you're so much bigger he is so much bigger than the hardship that you're up against and God is going to see you through David said the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want and I, I love that in the scripture there are no asterisks there are no qualifiers there are no special conditions the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want it doesn't matter what you're going through God can lead you beside the still waters he can make you to lie down in the green pastures he can restore your soul for his name's sake in the presence of your enemies he can prepare a table for you surely goodness and mercy can follow you all the days of your life but you've got to change the perspective and you've got to see God as working and moving in your life and God as greater than the troubles that you're facing we hope you enjoyed this inspirational message today if you would like more information about faith assembly please visit us on the web at faith-assembly.org thanks again for joining us and we hope you have a blessed day